Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya, the Three Muslims Podcast. I'm your host Rami with Fayad and Anhel. And today we have back our amazing brother, Brother Gabriel. Assalamu alaikum. How you doing? Alaikum salamatullah. Alhamdulillah. Barakallah fikum. So today we have a very important series that we're starting called the Intimacy Series. Now, you might hear my cat in the back calling because she herself wants to get intimate these days. Uh, she has not been spayed, unfortunately, but this just goes to show how important intimacy is to all uh, biological creatures, subhanAllah. But why is it important to Muslims? I thought it's something that, you know, practically doesn't exist until you, you're married. I thought it's something that uh, we should avoid at all costs or we don't talk about because it's taboo or it's, I thought it was, you know, makru or this, that, the other. No, this is actually very important. And here's why. If a man and a woman are not pleased being together intimately, the marriage is going to break apart. If that marriage breaks apart, that family breaks apart. And if you have this all throughout the community, the community eventually breaks apart. Now, this may seem like it's superficial to all of you, but look at the divorce rates today. Look at how people are suffering today. Single parent households and uh, witnessing their, their mom and dad fight all the time. This is a big problem. And it actually starts with intimacy. It may start much further than that actually down the road, but one of the biggest components is intimacy. And this is something that Brother Gabriel talks about a lot. So if you want to take the mic away, by all means. Okay. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam, Zakallah khair, first and foremost, for yeah, being real about this topic. And it seems that, as you said, it is taboo in the 21st century Muslim ummah. Yet it is something that surrounds us everywhere. I believe pretty much everywhere you turn, you'll have some indication of how important, uh, important this topic is. Be it that you're driving on the street and you see an advertisement, it seems that today pretty much everything that's being sold, there has to be some kind of indication of some sexual connotation or using the female body or the male body to promote this product, be it that they're, you know, shampoos or pair of tires for cars or whatever it is, you find some kind of connection between that and the, you know, one of the genders the opposite gender, it, mostly women are used because they're more aesthetically, you know, pleasing supposedly, and um, they're used for that. So sex is something that is, is very important for the world. Why? Well, because it is a primal instinct, is a basic thing. That is how we ensure the continuation of the species. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us Khalifa, inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. One of the meanings of the word khalifa is a generation that continues to go, okay? It's one after the other, right? So it's not just a vicegerent or as a leader on this earth, but khalifa also uh, is someone who continues to, uh, you know, as generation after generation after generation. And we find that the Muslim community in the 21st century is facing a very interesting challenge, we are okay to, you know, push aside theology. We're okay to uh, question so many things. I mean, I think 2020 has been a very, very um, interesting year. It's been a lot of controversies within the Ummah. 
in the West, there's been a lot of things that we talked about tied to LGBTQ and so on, right? Imams coming and support of these groups, not necessarily saying that's halal or anything like that, but, you know, saying that you scratch my back, I scratch your back. But when it comes to intimacy, everyone gets a bit like, oh my God, you know, did he really just say the word sex, right? And I've gotten quite some heat for it. And last time, I think one of my last videos was reading from Kitab al-Nikah in Sahih muslim which is the third most authentic book after Sahih Bukhari and after, of course, the Quran. And I was reading some of these and some comments, you know, I usually don't read the comments because they are quite negative and, you know, people, sometimes they affect you, right? You're kind of like, my God, you know, why would the person say this? But I read some of the comments and some people are saying, look at how shameless this person is to talk about intimacy or look how he has no shame to speak about sex so openly. <clears throat> and this is like someone living in a Western country. So wherever you go outside, you'll find um, that there's indication of sex. You go to the shop, I don't know what you guys have, 7-Eleven or, you know, whatever. And you'll find that there are magazines in there, fashion magazines or fitness magazines that show or have, you know, men's fitness, women's fitness. They'll have always a section on sex. And yes, indeed, uh, Muslims do look at these things. And I recently released a video. I think I called it holier than the Prophet wasallam syndrome. And I think that's one of the problems that our community is facing is this, um, this concept that we're very holy in the open, yet inside we are struggling. I'm not going to say it's a hypocrisy. I think it's just a natural thing that's happening where we're trying to maintain a certain image on the outside in the social media, right? How we preach. We talk about a lot of things. Alhamdulillah, and these are good things, no doubt. But I, being a counselor and dealing with some things firsthand, I would say that the ummah is very different inside and we are suffering. And as, as Rami said that, yeah, it is, it is one of the most fundamental and important subjects when it comes to marriage and before marriage, right? So a lot of the couples that are breaking apart, they are breaking apart because they're not intimate enough or properly one way or the other. SubhanAllah, when I deal with my clients, it will reach the issue of intimacy. And it'll either be that this person's too selfish or doesn't pay attention to me. Um, they, they We're not connected and so on. It will start from like money or, you know, issues of communication. But when I, and I do push this question, I ask them usually like, so how's your intimate life? And they're kind of like, uh, it's horrible. And I'm like, but why? But they're like, we're not connected. Why? Because, well, you know, this and that. So bottom line, we're, we're having an issue where on the outside, we look very religious, very pious. Our discourse is, brother, fear Allah, alhamdulillah, we fast, we pray. The speeches that we hear that there's about taqwa and about, you know, jannah. And this is all good, alhamdulillah. It is great. I'm not putting those things down because I don't want people to think that. But if you look at and you scout the themes that people will put on the YouTube and the videos that we see on the main Muslim channels, people try to avoid the topic of intimacy. They'll talk about like zina and this person committed zina, but then they don't talk about why they committed zina or what the issue is. They'll talk about like, you know, our children are going astray and look what's happening, but they're not talking about, well, wait a second, why? Why is that happening? And how do we address this issue? How do we fix this problem? So people say again, like, look, we should fear Allah. 
of course, no doubt. There's no doubt about the concept of taqwa and how we should be better Muslims and how we should pray more and be and fast more and how we should control our desires. No doubt about that. But is that it? And I'm not saying it as I'm asking a question just from my perspective. I would like to summon the seer of the Prophet ﷺ because when you look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba, that's when you get context. So yes, a sheikh or a scholar can come and say, قال Allah, قال Rasul, and this hadith and that ayah, that's great. But to contextualize things, it takes it a step further. So when you understand, for example, when was this revealed and what was the issue and what did the Prophet ﷺ do, that's why I believe the study of Sirah is so important. So you can actually contextualize these things. So then you find that, wait, wait a second. So is talking about intimacy something wrong? Well, then you find the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where a woman comes and asks him about the issue of uh, wet dreams. Do the women have wet dreams? Which is to an extent tied to what's the female orgasm, okay? Which was a myth for a great amount of time within the Western society, within the Western circles. The, the female orgasm was a myth and it's a big problem. And, and, and until today, we're having issues with that, that men, some men um, do not know the, the uh, female sexuality and don't understand it. Um, so we find other hadith, for example, where the Sahaba just made hijrah, they moved to Medina, and there is a intermarriage, you can say, between some of the muhajirin, people who are coming from Mecca, and the Ansar, the people of Medina. So the custom of the people of Medina was that they would have intimacy. The position would be from the side usually. Okay? So it actually says, you know, from the side. And it's, it's a position, you know? <laughs> so, but, so the Sahaba were a bit confused. So they had to go and ask the Prophet Sallallahu like, is that, is that like, what if, you know? And Omar Khattab, he would come, Ya Rasulullah, I'm destroyed, you know, like, and the Prophet said, what's wrong? But he said, sorry, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we should have a disclaimer, right? Like, what is it, like, rated R or like over 18 or what? What do we do here? Because, like, Omar Khattab said something like, I think he compared it to, like, um, his camel, you know, like, something like, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to find here the right words so it doesn't get us in trouble. Uh, it was something like I rode the like I rode my ride, you know, something like that, you know. It was like you know, tough, you know. So, so I think the Prophet clarified the issue of a position again. Like, was it from the back and not in the back? If you know what I mean, right? So it's not like anal. So then he's, you know, it was like, don't worry, like it's okay, you know. It's like it's it's fine, you know, like. That's, that's the one thing that it's okay to do it from the back, but not in the back, if you know what I mean. In okay, so this is not, not the one that is permissible, but it's permissible the position from the back. So what I'm trying to say here, I don't want the brothers and sisters to misunderstand me, but these are taken from a hadith. This is not like I have some dirty mind and I want to talk to you about you know these things because that will take a whole different turn. We're talking here about what we can extract from the sunnah of the Prophet and from the intimate uh, discussions that has not only made into the corpus of the hadith, but have been uh, taught and given ijazah. And the wives of the Prophet, for example, would tell us about 
some of the intimate moments and things like that. So, for example, in the chapter of the Qiyam of the Prophet in Shamal Tirmidhi, Imam Tirmidhi narrates how the Prophet would split his night, right? So he would sleep for one third. Okay, look at this, mashallah, like very, very uh, disciplined. So he would sleep for one third and he would wake up and pray for one third, right? And then this is narrated by his wife. Okay, this hadith is narrated by his wife. And then the Prophet ﷺ, if he wanted to, if he had the need, he would be intimate in the last third of the night. Okay, and if he didn't, then he would go to sleep and he would wake up at Fajr. But if he would be intimate, then he would, you know, come and be intimate. So he would sleep, pray, and be intimate. Okay, so even some of the scholars... Uh, the one of the commenters of the hadith says that it's great to have a sex in the early hours because you've digested all the food already and you feel very light and it's quite a good sensation and a lot of strength and so on. So again, what I'm trying to point out here is not to have a you know rated R session, but it's to say that the Muslim woman needs to re-examine this problem of feeling shy when it comes to sexual education. Because it's causing problems. So let's state the problem. The problem is that many brothers and sisters in a world that is hypersexualized, everywhere you turn, everything you open, everything you scroll in, if you open your Instagram, you go on reels right now, you have reels and you just kind of flip through it or whatever you want to flip, you're going to see something. There's no doubt about it. Okay? It's just you're going to see something. You go outside in the street, you're going to see something. You open the TV, you're going to see something. Um, you, you walk on the street, you're going to see something. You will see something that is related to or uh, pushing you to uh, feel attracted to the opposite gender. It's just the world that we live in. Look around. The world is, I mean, you know, we're, 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 we're dropping our clothes. So the youth, Muslim, non-Muslim, are confused. You have a generation of very pious Muslims, um, you know, the generation of the uncles, the masjid leaders, and then you have the youth who are living in the society and they're asking questions. They want to know. And you know how early that is? That is as early as seven, six, seven, eight, nine, you know. Some parents come to me for counseling and they say, my child is 12, 13. And, uh, you know, I, I caught them watching porn or, you know, masturbating or something like that. I'm like, what can I do? And I'm like, it's too late because they're, it's not the first time they've done it. And they're like, what do you mean it's too late? I say, yeah, I should have started at seven. You should have started talking and making sure these things, they understand slowly these things because they're already exposed to it by the age of seven. I'll give you an example. Living in the Western countries, the schools are already exposing them at the age of seven, eight, and so on. It's in the curriculum. There's been some crazy attempts from some of the Scandinavian countries to, you know, do things with children, experiments, and in the curriculum, cartoons, you name it. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. So the more you kind of try to turn a blind eye and be over pious and, you know, think this is taboo and we cannot talk about it, you know, it's wrong and so on. Okay, fine. But they're still going to get it. They're still going to get it. So my argument if, is if the Prophet 
was open and the Quran talks about it, the Sunnah talks about it. Um, sahabas who were very young were learning these things. Um, the non-Muslim society is talking about it, yet the Muslim community is saying, no, 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 I don't think I want to talk about this. This is very shameful. Uh, my father didn't do this to me, so I cannot do this to my son. Okay, but still it will happen. And they will get the wrong information. They will get the wrong information. Their fitra will not be nurtured. And at that time, in those formative stages, when you give them the wrong thing, you have to understand there's an association. Your body is already wired for intimacy. It's just the way you are. From your physique, your body, to your brain, and the two being connected. So what happens is that when you have the first experience of intimacy or pleasure, be it that it is an actual act of intimacy or just seeing one or hearing about one or talking about one, and it is within the wrong concept, and you associate that pleasure with the wrong schema or the wrong image of it, i.e., for example, I had a client who was a young girl and her, her friend were snooping around in her brother's things. And they found some, sorry, I need a porn that was lesbian. And that was the first ever exposure of her and her friend as two young girls seeing any intimacy. And since then, they have been basically, their minds are on to that. And they consider themselves heterosexual, but they say we are very attracted to the same gender to the woman. Because when I saw that intimacy between two women, it was, it raised some emotions into me that associated with the act and the pleasure. And it was at a certain time that I was, I didn't know anything about this. This was the first time I've ever seen this. So I am attracted to that and almost addicted to that. Yes, I want a husband. I want a man. I'm also, but I cannot get that out of my head. I needed to bring that example to make it clear as to what can happen. Okay. So do you see these kind of accidents can damage the fitra of young children? So what should have happened is that if this girl would have been talked to by her parents or the, you know, whoever, they would have said that astaghfirullah, this haram, turn away, move away, right? But they were curious. When they saw it, they saw the cover, they were curious to understand what it is. They pressed the play, they looked and looked, there was more curious. There was no, nothing, no voice in their mind to say, mom is saying, I shouldn't look at this. Dad is saying, I shouldn't look at this. This is incorrect because it's a woman and a woman. It's not, even if it would have been a man and a woman, it would have been Zina. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to bring some, some context to the problem. So th these are some of the, sh the issues that we're faced with. And if we're not going to talk about it within a educated, um, I can say, somehow safe environment um, from an academic perspective with educators, how to teach maybe teachers, parents, what's the right age, how to approach it, it will happen no matter what. It will happen, brothers and sisters, unless you live on some mountain somewhere with no media, and even then, your fitra and your hormones will be bubbling 
at some point that it will come. Subhanallah, imagine your mind, if you're away from any of these things, your mind will start creating these images. And that's what is the manifestation of a wet dream, as the Prophet explained it, right? So you've never seen it, but your mind sees it. Your mind constructs it, and that's what results into what's called the wet dream, because a wet dream has a climax. So in this wet dream, usually there's the, the, the person, be it girl or boy, they see the act of intimacy, and that is why it's called the wet dream, because there is wetness that is associated with, meaning, i.e. climax. So the mind is wired for that, you understand? And it is wired very early, and it is one of the signs of puberty, as the ulama talk about. Actually, the ulama, and that's probably one of the most, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'll, I talk too much. I'll, I'll pass the mic back. That is one of the most interesting, if not surprising things, that the ummah considers the previous generations more conservative. Yet we find that the ulama, like Ibn Hazm and others, who have written books, extent Ibn Qayyim, who have written books about intimacy and love, and the fuqaha specifically, when dealing with the chapters about tahara and purity and uh, manni and, and, you know, about they should disperm. And I mean, they've talked about these things and citing some of the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, You know, and it's like, it's, it's, you know, when you read it, it's like, wow, you know, like it was like, like Aisha radiallahu anha, you know, she narrates that she would scratch the dry semen from the from the clothes of the Prophet And this is how we know that if it's dry, it's tahir, it's not najis. From this hadith, the, the ulama extract the ruling, right? Um, that she would scratch it with her nail and then he would use the same cloth to go out to pray in the masjid. People would be like, oh my God, <gasps> you know, but this is the reality, right? This was them, this is the ulama talking. And here we are, fast forward to the 21st century Muslim community, whose children are going astray, committing zina, becoming gay, lesbian, whatnot, dating, you name it, in Muslim countries. Yet their parents are living in a bubble, putting out a overly pious you know, image um, and denying that this is a problem. And if anyone dares to talk about this issue, they will say this person is a dirty person, has a dirty mind. How dare them talk without shame like this in public? You know, someone says, you should write in a book. You shouldn't be talking in video. A video is too graphic. And I was like, subhanAllah, look at this. Is it, this is 24. I mean, that's where they're reaching your children, to video. So if you look at the statistics, um, pornography statistics, uh, 2020, uh, they were released. I know, and again, the Muslim Ummah, when I talked about these things, they said, man, you know, this is like, it's a conspiracy against the Muslims. And I said, it's not just the Muslim. They're, they released a statistic for the whole world, right? Not only the type of porn that people are watching, the genres of porn, but the amount of porn they're watching. And yes, women are up there watching it almost as much as men now. Before it used to be much less. Now it's up. Uh, men are watching, so about, you know, you can say now it's like in the 80s for men and about 60s, 70s for women, supposedly. But of course, women don't report as much as men. Could be definitely more. But from what they take and in terms of statistics, that's where we are. 
And uh, the, uh, the type of pornography that people are watching are very, very alarming. You know, when you look at it, it's quite shocking, especially women. Um, and I've talked to some women counselors who deal with women only to try to understand this issue. I've done a, a little research on about 50 Muslim women uh, with regards to the type of things they watch. It's quite an interesting, there's a collaboration. But again, people deny these things. And they, they think that people are sick to talk about these issues. Um, but the real sickness is, is what's happening in our communities and that we're not able to correct this. And yeah, so I think we look back in history, it was not an issue for the fuqaha. The books were written, uh, the ulama talked about it. Um, yes, um, mashallah, maybe even the quality of intimacy was much better. Maybe that's why people were staying more together. Um, and now we're suffering, divorce, you know, cheating, zina, and, and, and yet we're denying it. Now, back to you. Just in time to hear my, uh, my cat yell in the back. <laughs> but, um, I mean, usually any talk, any like idle, useless talk is something that should be avoided regardless. So if people are talking about things like this uselessly, then yeah, you could say, what are you, why, you know, why are you talking so uselessly about something like that? Especially if you're talking about your own intimate life and it's just useless talk. Yeah. But if you're seeking advice, education, if you're educating your children, if you're educating the youth, if you're educating a 30-year-old man who never got this education, it's necessary. It needs mm -hmm. to be done. Because if you look at the greater scheme of things, the greater picture, like we were talking about, you will actually present a lot of societal diseases that come about. Marriage, uh, divorce, just being one of them. Just being one of them. Subhanallah. But uh, Anhel Fayad, what are your thoughts so far? Anything to add? Man, I would, I would literally just add to the marriage and LGBT thing that infidelity. That's another thing. Yeah. 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 And Brother Gabriel, you said something before that, that actually got me thinking a bit. You said that maybe the quality of intimacy was better back then. And it just, it had me thinking like, I heard there are some, like some Sahaba that wouldn't you know, be able to see their wives for a while. And when- Yo, they, let her outside, man. Bro, I don't like Let it get some outside. <laughs> it's, it's halal for her, bro. No, bro. Yeah. You got I her suffering the, in the house. Bro, I had the same issue with my cat. Yeah. I spit the heck out of her about a week and a half ago. <laughs> and she's just out there in that little cone, bro. She's wearing that cone because cats like to bite their incisions. Yeah. And, bro, I can tell you from firsthand that her drive, her energy... I haven't even heard of meow since then, bro. Wow. Mm-hmm. Must be traumatized. You basically took her soul. I yeah. basically, mashallah, bro. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> she's more pious now. She's more she's more pious than the 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 guys uh, watching that are looking at Gabriel saying, brother, what are you talking about? You know? My cat's more pious than you guys. <laughs> but um, now that she's quieted down a bit, alhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. um, there were some sahaba that, you know, they would get excited, you know, just, just seeing their wife. Right. Mm. And we've become so desensitized because of things like you mentioned, like porn and, and scrolling through Instagram and just seeing something like that. It's supposed to be something where it's like, wow, you know, like, oh, it's finally happening. Not, oh, you know, I, I saw this on, on this video once. Right. 
when two people get together and do this thing, astaghfirullah al-deen. And it's pornography and this desensitization mm. that's effectively ruining intimacy because not only does it create false expectations, because I've heard stories of, of, of men who, because um, these, these women, astaghfirullah al they do a lot of things to the body, things you probably won't even think about in all aspects. So when a man sees, you know, a natural woman, you're like, it's not what I saw here. Mm-hmm. They have all these weird expectations. And then when they're not doing the things that, and she's not behaving the way that, you know, he would see in the video, again, the expectation is like, what is this? And he's displeased with her. And then he just goes and he sticks to that video. And on top of that, you have a literal library compared to you have your one wife, right? It's so toxic and it's so damaging, especially for the wife who has to go through that if she's not the one indulging in the pornography. Mm-hmm. And this is something they didn't have back then, alhamdulillah. It's something they didn't struggle with back then. But that alone, if you add on all the other issues we face today, uh, like we're in some deep water. So this is why you know the, the speakers, the scholars should talk even more about this. Related back to the sunnah of the Prophet You don't have to talk about it from a secular perspective. That doesn't matter. At least, you know, it's getting out there. You're talking about it from a point where it's not just, Facts. this is haram, don't do it, and then call mm-hmm. it bye-bye, right? Bring the alternatives. Talk about marriage. Talk about um, why it's haram. Talk about the side effects. Talk about where it could lead people. Uh, but it's, it's unfortunate. This is it's something that just people aren't talking about today which is why we started this series. I see, I see that smile on Anhel's face, which indicates, bro, you might want to go in on some. But let me just say this off the rip. If you're a heterosexual man, you're straight, your T-count is even semi-normal. If you see a naked woman, your wife, that alone should be enough to do it for you, like to want to get intimate. You shouldn't need all these things that, you know, today you see like toys and, gadgets and weird things and extra things and you know she has to get all these surgeries oh man let's just take a second to admire rami's beard coming in mashallah mashallah, mashallah. but no i i think it's super necessary to talk about these things and if people start getting triggered or say something like ah oh, brother that's not modest that's not pious. Like you shouldn't be speaking like this. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just that's a soft individual. That's a individual who's not living in reality. And it's like, look, if you're married, or if you even if you haven't gotten married, like ask yourself that question: like, How important is the intimacy? Because Gabriel said it best: if the inti- if the intimacy isn't there, the relationship isn't gonna last that long. Because then you no longer have a relationship between a man and a woman. You have a friendship. Hmm. And we both know, or all of us know, how well friendships between men and women last. Hmm. That's right. That's right. Actually, subhanAllah, uh, one of the... Uh, I, I say this to my clients and to people. If, if intimacy is good and compatibility in terms of their faith is good... Okay, I think every other problem can be solved. So financial issues, um, you know, problems between families, there's always going to be problems there, right? You always have couples coming to us for counseling and they say, we have issues here, we have issues there. Couples that have strong, you know, faith bound, like they're bond together by Islam, they're, they're compatible in their 
not one is practicing, one is not, one prays, one doesn't. It doesn't work like that, okay? So if the two are, mashallah, compatible on that point, and obviously they're, they're loyal to each other, and they have a good intimate relationship, like their intimacy is healthy, they can solve any other problems, man. Like issues of money, whatever, you know, they had problems, they have arguments, no matter what, okay? Um, even arguments, right? You can solve it with some good intimacy. You know, it's like some of the best, right? So it's, it's really good. I mean, it's so healthy. And that's why the main thing, the main, one of the main objectives actually, or the main objective of nikah is intimacy. So when you make your nikah, the first thing that happens is that she becomes halal for you, right? And it is linked to intimacy. So there was one time a sister asked the sheikh, is it all about, she basically, I've heard it, it was basically something like this, is, is marriage all about sex? And the sheikh was quite, mashallah, he was, he was an elder, mashallah. And he literally looked at her and says, it is. You know, he said, it is. He said, indeed it is. And, and he just said, look, this is like one of the main objectives. Of course, you have other things. But basically what he said is that if that is clean, if that is healthy, if that is good, then everything else works. Okay, because that's the first thing. Why is it a sunnah to consummate the marriage on the wedding night? Right? Why do you consummate the marriage? Why do you have the walima after the consummation? This was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, if it wouldn't be, if intimacy is not important, then it would be like, let's take two, three weeks after we make our nikah to get to know each other. We can have a good conversation. And, you know, that's not how it works. You know, I mean, intimacy is what connects the two together. It is what unites the, the couple. It is what brings them together. Problem is that it's been distorted. The concept of intimacy has been distorted. Um, for those who are coming from the non-Muslim background, like Angel and myself, maybe we can relate to this more because we have a past in the, you know, in the Jahiliya, what we call, we know like, this is like normal for, for people. I mean, growing up in, in, you know, North America, forget it, even when I was in Europe, if you're like, if, if you're a young guy, like just in your teenage years, you know, 13, 14, and you haven't lost your virginity yet or not done something, you're a loser. You know what I mean? Like your friends are going to make fun of you, right? Um, it was not strange to walk on the hallways of our high school and, and hear stories of conquests and this and that, and you know, you name it. And this is, this is how the, the non-Muslims work. And how many Muslims live in non-Muslim countries, be it USA, Canada, Australia, UK, right? I lived in Muslim countries as well. I taught as a teacher in Muslim high schools, in Muslim countries, conservative countries. And the talk about intimacy was all over. You know what I mean? So because it is part of the fitra. So I think the objective of this series with our brothers, may Allah bless them, many. Okay, the three Muslims is to, to raise awareness, but also to give some solutions to the community who's willing to, if there anyone. I'm coming from an educational consultancy background, being a school principal, a teacher for many years. And I like to give solutions to parents, to communities, right? I want them to look at these series and say, okay, these brothers, four guys have talked here. They didn't just talk about sex, but they talked about 
how we can understand this issue, how we can overcome this taboo you know, feeling, how can we look at preemptive measures and how to train our children to protect themselves, but not just that, to slowly um, push them through the natural development to express and to understand their sexuality as they develop. Because, hey, again, think about it, brothers and sisters, parents, when your child has his first wet dream or when the girl has her first wet dream, when the girl has the first period and she doesn't know to turn to, she falls in shame, for example, and she's, you know, she's so embarrassed. Why? Why do we keep hearing these stories? I mean, trust me, man, being, and I've taught in both all boys and mixed schools as well. And I cannot tell you how many times girls have their periods or get their periods at school and how embarrassing it is because they don't know. They have no clue. They don't understand, okay, what it is and how it is because no one has talked to them. So what we're trying to do here is to find solutions. How can we have preemptive measures? How can we teach their children, our children within our system, our ethics and morals to understand their sexuality and their development, their physical development, what it means, what the fuqaha have talked about. Because in the Sharia, there's a huge difference. Parents, pay attention. There's a huge difference between someone being a, um, to, to be, uh, you know, pubescent and pu to hate puberty and not in the hukum of the Sharia, in what's implemented in a crime or not. In terms of a punishment, it makes the difference between, uh, you know, even life and death. All right. So the fuqaha were very explicit on these things. So what we're trying to say, let's understand and also, also damage control. And let's, I think a lot of the time we're going to talk about damage control because trust me, uh, a young man in his 20s has already been exposed to these things. Converts like myself, Angel, others who are converting to Islam, daily to Islam, right? They're bringing in a, a luggage with them, you know, their, their, their luggages of sexuality and experiences from the past. Are they to be written off? Meaning them, the people, not their past experiences. Allah has removed those and they're not accountable for them. But sorry, you can maybe be forgiven, but sometimes you don't forget, isn't it? It's, it's very hard. I mean, for me, I don't know, Angel, I'm sure. It's hard to forget what's happened in the past, man. And that's who you mm -hmm. are today. It's called your total past learning history. In psychology, we call it the total past learning history. Every stimuli, every bit of information that you've been exposed to, you've seen, you've experienced, you've tasted, it is what you are today. It is a sum of who you are today. So that has to be addressed. There's a lot of people. How about the ones living in the West versus the one who are not? These things need to be understood. Again, with the objective of hopefully, hopefully learning and being able to either reduce, prevent, heal, deal with these issues so that the family union is saved and that intimacy can be practiced healthy and be enjoyed and that a family that is based on love will be raised out of that and children will see their parents being in love and expressing love, of course, within the permissible boundaries that, that is so fundamental to their upbringing. 
Because one other thing that happens in these overly pious families, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to use it as a negative thing that people are pious, but they don't show love and care amongst each other. Parents don't show. And the Prophet would hold his wife's hands and he would show some, some affection towards them and, you know, and towards his children. Um, but parents don't. They think it's taboo again. And that is so fundamental for the healthy, emotional, sexual development of a child. You have no clue, my dear brother, what it means for you as a father to kiss your daughter and to hug her, for her to feel that masculine love at that age. Of course, it's a clean thing as a father, but for you to embrace her and to tell her that she's beautiful versus some scumbag on the street who's going to take her attention because you haven't given it to her because you think it's haram or it's overly, or you know, you're very like it's taboo or you're very pious and your culture doesn't allow you to. And as the Prophet said to that, you know, that man who was kind of surprised when he kissed his grandchildren and he said, what should I do if Allah removed the mercy from your heart? He said, Ya Rasulullah, you, you do that? You, you kiss them? Right? SubhanAllah, how important it is, how important it is for a father to understand what it means to say to your daughter, you're the most beautiful girl in this world, and give her a hug and a kiss. And even to your son, to say you're handsome and to hug him, even that masculine love gives him some confidence and he's not going to be doubting his sexuality because he's experienced, he knows what it means to be touched by a man and hugged by a man and to feel love from a man that he trusts versus being in his teenage years and doubting his sexuality or not knowing if he sees a handsome guy or something like that. He's like, oh, I'm confused now. Let me try to experiment. Or I heard that you should try this and you should try that. And then he falls into that trap. Okay. People need to understand how important this is. This talk, people need to acknowledge the, you know, our bravery to speak about this topic. And it might bring a lot of heat, but who cares? Because I hope and past in, in the previous episode that we've done, brothers, I'm telling you, man, the feedback, 95% of the feedback, okay, is so amazing, so positive. It's just amazing. Like I'm messaged by mothers saying, Jazakallah khair for you guys having some guts to talk about these things because I'm a mother of three boys and this is so important. I'm a mother of two boys or five boys or you know, three girls and two boys. And what you guys are talking about has opened my eyes. And now I'm able to finally not feel shy about it because you guys quote Quran and Sunnah. And we see that this is it. And Alhamdulillah, you know, they're thanking us. As for the other people have other opinions, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open their eyes to see the importance of this, inshallah. 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 That would be a beautiful ending to the episode, inshallah, for today. I just want to read one verse from the Quran to finish off what, uh, what you were mentioning before. Allah says in the Quran, and of his signs is that he created for you from yourselves mates that you will find tranquility in them. And he placed between you passionate love and mercy indeed, and that are signs for those who, for people who give thought. Allah. Allah says he put passionate love. Now you can fill in the blanks of what passionate love is in your, in your you know, own head. And mercy. Two necessary things for a marriage to thrive. So may Allah allow us to be the people to lead the righteous and to teach people 
that this is not a taboo thing and may Allah allow the Muslims to have good proper marriages to raise good proper children inshallah so we can have Allahumma ameen any last thoughts from you guys alright with that being said Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh